We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, I think just the resilient nature of our team. You know, winning, winning 13 games in the regular season, I think that's, that says a lot about our players. That says a lot about our coaches. It's it's a tough league, right? And so you go in and you and you put your best foot forward. And unfortunately, we didn't we didn't play a very good game yesterday, and a, and a good team beat us. So, but again, it offers a a look into uh, or a lens that we can look through and say, hey, this is these are some of the areas we have to get better at in order for us to win. Bills head coach Sean McDermott. All right, we get to our weekly segment with. Joe Marino of the Draft Network and the Lockdown Bills podcast with plans to uh, hit the Senior Bowl, right, Joe? That's uh, that's the the schedule for you. Yeah, that's right. I'll be leaving Monday morning and, and there for the entire week, and then off to Arizona for all the Super Bowl festivities. So busy two weeks here coming up for me. Yeah. Well, before we get to you know full draft mode and also free agency mode and all that good stuff, the end of season look back at. What happened, the game, the season, all of it, as uh, we kind of turn the page here. So let's start with your thoughts on on the game against Cincinnati. There seems to be, I think, a general feeling that the Bills got A, pushed around, B, outcoached. You know, when you look at that game, what is worth reacting to versus overreacting to? Because that's something I think Brandon Bean made a point. Like, they don't want to overreact, but what happened in that game that is worth reacting to? Yeah, I... I I appreciate both sides of this because uh, on one hand, it feels like the disappointment of the loss has clouded a good season, 13 and three. And the, that's the most games the Bills have ever won in the season, 13. They've done it four times now. Uh, seven game win streak to end the year, obviously a statistically very good team, um, but a lot of expectations for this season, for this to be the one that the Bills pull through, get over the hump, get to the Super Bowl, And, you know, that didn't happen. And so, um, I think it's good to keep that perspective that there's a lot of good things that that's happened for this football team, but uh, to, to really get big boyed at home, um, whether it was the line of scrimmage, both sides of the football, especially a Bengals team with, you know, three backups on that offensive line and their, their center Ted Karras is out. You really feel like you don't have enough on the, the defensive line. It doesn't feel like you have enough on the offensive line, uh, but also in the, in terms of the weapons and, um, I think that's where I really come away with concerns about what needs to improve this offseason. It's O-line, it's D-line, it's weapons for Josh Allen. And I think the lack of those things showed up in the biggest way possible in this game against the Bengals, and it has to be a priority for the team to improve moving forward. When it comes to the defensive line, you know, I, I mentioned this during the week, like how, how big should the changes be from a defensive standpoint? I mean, a Sean McDermott defense, a Leslie Frazier defense, they play nickel, right? It's going to be two linebackers. The biggest piece at linebackers, a big decision to make. So just how different should the defense look? I mean, are we talking coaching changes, wholesale changes, philosophical changes when it comes to the way that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have built their defense? Well, it's interesting because if you if you think of the Bills' starting defensive line as Greg Rousseau, Von Miller on the end, 
Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver on the inside, you feel good about that. But you didn't have half of that against this Bengals team, and that really exposed the depth that you've wanted to develop to this point in A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham. And uh, those guys really couldn't step up and uh, prove that they're anything more than replacement-level rotational players. Ed Oliver as a top-ten pick. You would hope he could have been more impactful in a game like that. And so um, you wonder if it's just a matter of some of those injuries and uh, it being better if everyone's healthy. Jordan Phillips obviously trying to play with a torn rotator cuff. That was pretty obvious that he was ineffective. You know, you wonder if you have your guys at full strength if it's a different conversation. But um, it's still exposed, I think, a lot of weaknesses in that that front in terms of the depth, especially for a team that wants to rotate as much as the Bills do. But I think you've now seen a sample size of four playoff losses over the last four years where defensively the, the, the team, it felt like that that's what let down the team, whether it was uh, allowing Houston to get back into things in the second half of that game back in 2019 or – the last two against Mahomes, or excuse me, the last three against uh, Mahomes and one against Burrow, where the, the team has just given up a lot of yards and a lot of points. And for as good as Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier's defense continues to be during the regular season, statistically very, very good, it feels like in these big games in the playoffs, it just doesn't meet the moment. And um, I, I think a lot of it's philosophical, where uh, the Bills really rely on schematically – you as an offense to have to stack play after play and go on sustained drives to score points. And on the one hand, you know, that can be difficult for teams to stack together 10, 11, 12 plays to score. And I understand that ideology, but against these premier offenses, not taking away something has really hurt them. Yeah. I think Burrow and Mahomes are happy to say, okay, yeah, if we'll take free access and, uh, we'll 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 go 10, 11, 12 plays when we need to and score touchdowns against you. And they've done that in these big games where I would like to see this defensive scheme do a better job of actually taking something away um, and, and forcing teams to embrace a different style to score as opposed to uh, being so uh, concerned with not getting gashed with big plays down the field. And, and so I think that's what I'm looking for is an ideology uh, a change here uh, to be more deliberate about taking away dynamics that make offenses great. And um, I think these, these good offenses in the playoffs continue to expose uh, some inconsistency and some, you know, I, for lack of a better word, some softness to the way the Bills play defense. And then what about Tremaine Edmonds for you as the season now ends and it felt like there was more and more momentum throughout the year of, okay, it's, this isn't even really a conversation, that he's a great player and that they're – you know, they're trending towards maybe paying him, and maybe he, I mean, there were a couple of plays you could watch back where he just gets eaten alive by tackles or whatnot by the Bengals. Are you in any different spot with Edmonds after the year? Do you still feel like he is worthy of that 13 to $15 million, whatever it might be, uh, extension with the Bills? Well, I think if the Bills can get him for 13 to $15 million a season, that would be a, a very easy uh, re-sign, in my opinion, I think where it gets a little bit more challenging is if he starts to push this 18, 19, $20 million range that you've seen Roquan Smith and Fred Warner and Shaquille Leonard get recently. Um, and so that makes it interesting to me. But I think I think Tremaine Edmonds is the right middle linebacker for this defense. Um, you know, obviously, five years as a starter, he's he just finished his age 24 season. He turns 25 in May. 
and I think he's got a lot of experience under his belt. Um, I think his ability and coverage is a big, big difference maker for the team with the range that he can cover. Everyone losing their mind over Fred Warner being able to drop and carry uh, C.D. Lamb down the down the seam. Well, I didn't Fred, Tremaine Edwards Edmonds made the same play the week before against uh, the Dolphins, getting in that deep middle and getting a fingertip on the ball and, and really disrupting that. I, I think I think. Tremaine's really good in coverage, and that's a big deal in today's modern NFL. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that's always going to be better as a downhill player when he's got a real one-tech. And I think some of that was exposed uh, against the Bengals not having Daquan Jones. And I think Daquan Jones has been a big benefit to Tremaine Edmonds. And so I think your people are going to get hung up on some highlights of, or I guess lowlights for Tremaine where he's having to deal with a lot of contact playing downhill. Well, they, I mean, he didn't have – at 25% of Jordan Phillips, he didn't have Daquan Jones. Um, and, and I think that that's a big deal for for Tremaine being able to play downhill and be free and be able to fill gaps. I, I think Tremaine Edmonds is a player that, predictively, I think the Bills will prioritize him as their number one priority this offseason. But also, I, I feel like I'm also rooting for that to happen. Waiting to find out what happens on the defensive side at coordinator with Leslie Frazier. You, you made a, a, a case about him and what, what this defense has done in the playoffs. On the other side, uh, Brandon Bean yesterday referring to Ken Dorsey as going into year two. Sounds like another year of Ken Dorsey. So what kind of grade would you give Dorsey as a first-year play caller, and what has to change from his standpoint from year to one to year two? Well, you know, it's, you think about Ken Dorsey and the way people felt about him through the first quarter of the season until now. It's It's been a journey. Uh, it probably uh, – less favorable viewpoints than, you know, kind of those early season games. And, you know, I think, I think Ken Dorsey will be better for this season um, as a first time play caller. Uh, I think there's some things that he needs to consider in terms of, you know, balance within the passing attack and and finding consistency and how he wants to attack defenses in that way. And, you know, being more consistent with how he mixes in the run game and, you know, it, for all the emphasis that was placed on this team to get a pass catching back, whether it was J.D. McKissick or drafting James Cook or trading for Naheem Hines, still seeing that as uh, something that really didn't come to fruition this year. I think there's some some layers to his offense that need to find that needs to stabilize. To be honest with you, but you know, I, I think for him to pretty much replicate everything uh, from a year ago under Brian Dayball in his first season, while simultaneously there's a lot of thoughts out there that the Bills didn't have a good enough offensive line. They don't have enough weapons outside of uh, Stephon Diggs. You know, I, I think that it's, it's pretty impressive, to be honest with you, for him to have the results that he did while those dynamics existed. I know that 10 points in a home playoff game is is not where it needs to be. Uh, I feel like Lou Anarumo absolutely ran circles around Ken Dorsey. Um, but I, I would say that um, Lou Anarumo ran circles around a lot of people in the playoffs to this point, and I, I think it matters a lot that Josh Allen wants Ken Dorsey to be his offensive coordinator. So I think there's a lot going there. I think you could feel disappointed in kind of how that offense finished the season, especially against the Bengals, but also have some optimism about how, you know, everything can evolve in year two. When it comes to one of the things that we talked about coming into this year, Joe, Joe Marino of the Draft Network and the Locked On Bills podcast, yards after catch. And it didn't come to fruition. They were, again, near the very bottom of the league in yards after catch. And I guess the first question I would have is, should people care about that that much? I mean, Josh Allen's a downfield thrower, right? A lot of times we get into this conversation about, should you lean into this or try to, you know, 
detour over here. They're not a good yards after catch team. I think they probably could be a better one with different schemes with maybe better yards after catch players. So two-parter for you, Joe. How big a deal should it be, and how should they look to get better at it? Well, I think yards after catch can really help an offense, obviously. It's additional yards that's not relying on Josh Allen air yards to really move the ball. And I think that's kind of baked into what I'm referring to when I say a more balanced passing offense where you want Josh Allen and his rocket launcher to push the ball down the field with a level of consistency. Probably 15% of the time you're looking for that. Uh, but, you know, even even the most aggressive vertical passing offense, you're talking 20, 20% of your throws, 20 yards down the field, that's still – uh, 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 not a huge part of any offense. You're still working the short to intermediate areas of the field, even for the most aggressive passing offenses. And I think doing a better job of taking free access throws, doing a better job of being uh, consistent with ball placement on shorter throws to allow guys to stay up and win after the catch. Um, I think incorporating some of those dynamics into the passing game is only a benefit. And I don't think you have to kind of, take away what they want to do vertically at the expense of yards after catch. I don't think I look at the Bills and say, I want Josh Allen to be a top 10 player in the league when it comes to yards after catch per completion. But I think going from, you know, bottom five to somewhere in the middle of the pack is a reasonable place to be. You're basically talking about an additional yard after catch per completion to get into that range. And so I think it can help the offense and it really does, in a lot of ways, uh, resemble what I mean when have a more balanced passing offense because I I think there's ways to make it easier for Josh Allen as opposed to kind of living with the results of low percentage throws no matter who's your quarterback and who your receivers are. That being said, we're going to talk so much about weapons. I can't can't wait to start diving into wide receiver stuff with you. Um, What is the right type of weapon for this offense, or is any good weapon, I guess, a good idea here, whether it's down the field, you know, deep ball type of specialist, or if it's, you know, the guy you throw the ball to on a bubble screen and just watch him go. Like, what to you is the prototypical um, thing the Bills need in terms of a weapon for Josh Allen right now? Yeah, I think it's a more complete player as the wide receiver, too. Gabe Davis goes from the number four receiver to the number two receiver, and Gabe is just not a complete player. And He's not a guy that runs every route. He's not a guy that uncovers quickly in the quick game. He's not a guy that produces yards after catch. And so I think having those limitations as the receiver that you rely on to make defenses pay for the amount of attention they want to place on Stephon Diggs is putting yourself in a hard spot because he's a limited player in terms of his skill set. That doesn't mean he doesn't bring value. Most players are limited, right? That, that's so, that's, so don't take that as a shot. That's a pretty normal thing. But I think putting a player that has limitations in terms of the ways they can win on the field into a position where you need a more do-everything player, that limits your passing offense. And I think that's a, a big reason why maybe the Bills had, had stalled out at times offensively when teams are able to key in on digs. And so a more complete skill set, a, a more dynamic route runner, a more – consistent player after the catch, a guy with more athleticism. I think those are the traits that I would be looking for in that number two receiver opposite of Stefan Diggs. In 
regard to that, Joe, like I, I'm going to say a lot first round receiver, but second round would be fine with me because, you know, we've pointed it out and you, of course, scouting so many of these drafts late first round and second round. There have been a ton of really good receivers to be drafted. It's almost like a little bit of a sweet spot for the position to get. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I, I received a question about this on the podcast that I did for today on Lockdown Bills about, you know, could the Bills really get a wide receiver, a meaningful receiver later, you know, later in the first round or on day two? And I, I'd love the opportunity to remind people of the players just this year. Second round picks, George Pickens, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce, Romeo Dubs in the fourth round. The NFL has done a very good job of finding day two receivers and that's just this year. That doesn't even get me into the Rolodex of Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel. All these guys are second-round picks. The Bills got to find one of those players. T. Higgins for the Bengals, second-round pick. I think the Bills have to have to find that type of, a, of an impact player, and they can. Like the, the, Every year you see these day-two receivers uh, wind up being very meaningful playmakers for their offense, and I think it's the Bills' turn to find one of them. So Senior Bowl next week, and then what? Just like digging deep into it with the draft network. I'm ready for the mock draft machine. <laughs> yeah, you'll know yeah. my uh, you'll know my ISP Joe by how many times I draft a receiver. I'm going to draft the Bills seven receivers by the time I'm done. Yeah, so so next week I'm I'm in Mobile, Alabama for the entire week. So we'll you know obviously Senior Bowl that, that's huge, and that, there's a you know and, and the entire NFL's there. So there's a lot of good information gathering uh, there, and then I. I leave from Mobile and I go to Phoenix for a week. So uh, I'm going to be on the road the next two weeks and be back for a little while, obviously doing a bunch of draft stuff and then the combine for a week. So it's that it's that time of year where it feels like uh, on one hand it slows down because there's not as many games, but all the other stuff picks up. So it's a, yeah. bit, a bit of a wash here until about May. All right, very good. Well, thanks again. We'll uh, we'll talk next week. You know, Senior Bowl and the whole off season. We'll we'll be ready. We'll, we know you're good for uh, for all the information, and I'm trusting you on all these picks. And I'm going to be right. I'm going to be coming hard for receiver and offensive line. We're good with that. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Joe Marino of the Draft Network and the Locked On Bills podcast. I'm going to fall in love with every receiver that is mentioned. I I'll have a new name every week. Jordan, you, Jordan, you, you'll pick you'll pick your favorites though, nah, right? Like, no, Jordan Addison. That's who it is this week. Who was the guy? Was it Drake London last year that you weren't really big on? Or Was it just for no, fantasy? It was Traylon Burks? Yeah, okay, because right. he didn't he didn't separate. Yeah, I trusted Joe in this. I feel like Joe he doesn't separate at the college level. I'm, I'd be worried about him separating. Okay, at the, so at the pro level, so Traylon Burks is reincarnated into this year's draft. It's fine, I don't care. It's not anything and yes, anything. I mean, who did I love last? I mean, Pickens was a good idea last year because, you know, he his stock was down because of an injury. Christian Watson, Zach Jones, who produces in the evenings now and with Sheldon Bullock, he was big on Christian Watson. It took Watson a half a year to show up, and then he was just he was awesome. I mean, Christian Watson is for me like as Joe's breaking down the answer, what kind of receiver you want. My answer would be inside outside can do it all. Yeah, and not someone that the Bills draft on the inside and say, oh, he can play the outside. And that was true of Jamison Crowder, too. Oh, he can play the... No, no, no. You can't... The Bills just can't say that a person can do it without a lot of evidence that he can. So somebody that's inside-outside or elite slot 
not not necessarily like the Beasley slot. That was Jahan Dotson for me last year. I loved that idea. Slot that can stretch the field slot where you're that talking. That can actually play on the outside yes. also. Tyler yeah. Lockett is an incredible yeah. slot guy that can stretch. So, whatever. I'm excited about it. I'm excited. You know, people are a little more on board. Last year, every single wide receiver conversation was, yeah, okay, corner two. Yeah, okay, corner two. Yeah. This year it feels like a very, very large portion of the fan base is ready to invest in receiver and you know the years of it the the all the defensive end draft picks part of the reason those all made sense was expensive position cost effective that's true of receiver too if you want to get a wide receiver on the free agent market they get expensive a good way to save money for a team that's cap strapped and starting to pay its big players more money is to get a receiver 8030550 one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Kevin Cole, Pro Football Focus, points this out. Yesterday, Brandon Bean, one of the things he talked about about the Bengals was how those guys are on rookie deals, right? Chase and mm. Burrow, and that our guys are not, and that is true to a, to a point. But Allen's cap hit this year was sixteen million. He, his cap hit goes up next year, and Diggs had an extension that kicks in next year too. Allen and Diggs, their combined cost next year goes up $32 million. <laughs> so, so it really becomes real in 2023. Yeah, it wasn't even really a thing this year. Yeah. Their extensions hit next year, and you also have Dawson Knox getting an extension. You almost get to a point, Joe, where now look how much money you're spending on offense. It better be a top five offense in the league. If it's not, it's really failing. And you got to draft something to help make that $32 million increase in Allen and Diggs, make that worth your while. Spend a first or second round pick to make sure Allen's at his best. Diggs is getting his most production in his age 30 season. Better to forget it coming up. I also have a funny story I want to tell you. I had a scare last night. You'll probably laugh at it, but I'll a tell funny, you. A funny scare? A funny scare. Okay. I I can laugh about it now, but it was a, okay. big, it was a big, big scare last night. I'll tell you about that next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.